Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports with us. On 365 Sports, Dennis, of course, everything college athletics and football and Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke. Dennis, thank you very much. The president's tomorrow, the commissioner's on Wednesday. And is it, uh, wait a minute, there were reports that they were done or at least imminent. What happened, in your opinion, with the college football playoff proposal? Uh, well, the contract is not done. Um, we saw that from, uh, I'm talking about the new TV contract. It was reportedly worth $1.3 billion. It's not even close to being done. And I've got some thoughts on that, but they're going to start to discuss that on Wednesday, the commissioners. And then tomorrow is really going to be interesting with Washington State and Oregon State still holding that vote, trying to use that as a the same way Thor uses a hammer to get the best deal they can get going forward. It's really got nothing to do with five plus seven versus six plus six. I, I think they're holding out. And they, and Kirk Schultz, the Washington State president, says much. They're holding out the Power Five status. So what does that look like in 2026? I don't think a merger with the Mountain West is going to get them there. But if they start to go out and get a best of the rest conference, or their hope is the ACC breaks up with Florida State now seemingly having to buy, uh, being able to buy their way out of the ACC that Stanford and Cal come back. It's just. It's, it's so layered and it's so dense. It's hard. It's hard to talk about. <laughs> Dennis, I do want your thoughts on the college football playoff contract uh, not being done uh, yet. Uh, it did seem strange to me that there was all this talk of getting other partners involved, and given how not only you know Fox has doubled down on their college football coverage, CBS went big for the Big Ten. Uh, NBC and Peacock is now involved in this, that they wouldn't 
have multiple buyers in the market or multiple networks to do this. And that would be a, a solely ESPN and Disney deal. That was a little bizarre to me to hear that news and how it happened seemingly so quickly, especially since it didn't. Yeah, there, there's a lot to that too, because basically you had ESPN with a right of first use and they could have matched any other deal that was out there. And I think they want, whether they leaked that to certain people, it was inaccurate about the deal being done to pressure the CFP into getting the deal done. I don't know that, but it is not done. I know there's a faction within the commissioners and the leagues. I know Greg Fancy has stated publicly he would prefer um, multiple bidders. But I think, I, I think as a whole, I think we're kind of disappointed with the number that came back, $1.3 billion. When this process started, we were talking about anywhere from 1.5 to 2 billion. And what the market has told them is that number one, I think the rights holders are kind of running out of money. This is a big, big property. ESPN is saving up for, I think, to renew um, the NBA and NASCAR. So this is a lot of money that they're they're trying to save money on. At the same time, we're all transitioning to streaming. And nobody knows what that's going to look like. And let me get back to the to the heart of the matter. In that, um, those I think it's coming to to being evident with these people that the first round games aren't worth that much. I mean, when you've got a possibility as we would have last year, I think the Liberty Georgia first round game. And you know what that is? That's a mid September non conference game at Sanford Stadium. And so I have one one industry insider tell me that. This started out at like $100 million for four games, those first-round games, what they're worth. He said, he said we, you know, we might pay five for some of these. Um, and that's really what's going on. To my knowledge, those first-round games were 24 and 25, those four games that start uh, this year, December 19th. I don't think they've been sold yet. So we don't even have that. So how can you do – how can you discuss revenue distribution – how can you discuss a lot of this stuff when you don't even have that that uh, figured out yet? I always like to uh, look at what Bob Thompson says on these TV deals, and his immediate response was, "That sure does seem to be low." And yeah. uh, and, and you're exactly right. Is is it too late then for them to go? Damn, we need to cut this back to eight, or are they they're going to twelve? There's no. no question about it, right? No, they're going to twelve. I, you know, now look, I think everything's on the table in 26 after the current contract runs out. And I mean everything from from structure to access to everything. Again, thanks, great thank you on the board is saying, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll do the 12 best. You know, why wouldn't you when, you know, you're going to have half the field from the, from the Big Ten and half from the SEC. In fact, we had numbers that we researched in the 10 years of the CFP. Uh, if you took the current alignment of the, going forward, the average number of combined teams in the ten, in the twelve team playoff would have been seven point six on average in the Big Ten and SEC. So that gives you an idea. We've been nine last year, so that gives you an idea of what, what they're going to. Dennis, you mentioned uh, Florida State uh, earlier and their plot to leave the ACC. Um, the ACC had a very interesting little nugget in their latest legal filing yeah. in that. Apparently, Florida State can just buy their way out of the deal, which 
if that was the case, they could have saved themselves a lot of trouble and consternation and just maybe send an email to them and said, hey, here's the number. Let's start working. I don't, like, I'm wondering why that came out right now. Uh, great reporting by Matt Baker of mm. the Tampa Times. Um, that's basically why. They, and, and who's to say they aren't way down the road in negotiating it? Now, look, their number, Florida State's number in uh, in their legal filing in the, in the lawsuit, is $572 million total to buy out. I don't think Florida State or anybody has $572 million laying around to buy out of a conference. So it would have to be a very, very complicated negotiation. Uh, and then not only that, then that gives the likes of North Carolina, Clemson, Miami, uh, maybe a Virginia, a roadmap as to how they get out. Uh, you know, and then there's the situation of who wants them and how soon and what they can earn. Uh, but you already see the wheels turning here, Smokey, about uh, there being some sort of separation. Uh, when the SEC and Big Ten a couple of weeks ago came out with that advisory group, uh, I don't know if you saw what I wrote, but I said it's very thinly veiled. It's like, you know, we're, if you don't like what we propose, we can have our own playoff. And that's true. You know, Greg Sankey has said that again. If everything else fails, the SEC alone could have its own playoff and it would earn untold millions of dollars. So that was just a, that was a bell to hammer telling everybody else, including Charlie Baker, get out of the way. Here's what we're going to try to do. And I'm not saying the NCAA is going away. I'm just saying guys like Sankey and now uh, Petiti at the Big Ten, who's had a few months on the job, are sick of, for example, uh, the NCAA Board of Governors, that nine-person body, having anybody from the group of five on it. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. This is a group that runs the NCAA. Well, it's, this whole discussion we're having is about those 68 schools, and within that, the 34 in the SEC and the Big Ten. So it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, I've seen quotes from Petiti, uh, from Petiti and Sankey, but they also said they did not want to so much – uh, I don't know if the right. word was disrupt the ecosystem. Do you believe them? I think they said what they had to say. Um, I, again, I, like I said, I think it was a velvet hand. Yeah. We're going to form an advisory group. Well, why did that advisory group not include the ACC and Big 12? You know, I, I think they've answered that. I, I thought I read that they've answered that. Like, well, we thought we could be more streamlined. and do, You know, if, if, it, if it is a power for at all, that answers the question. That ends the argument. It's a super two at the top. All right, so you're talking about tomorrow they meet the presidents. Wednesday, the commissioners. And they start playing football at the end of August, I believe, with Florida State and whoever else in Dublin. Mm -hmm. How in the world did they get to this point? Was it because everything became shrapnel from the conference realignment and the Pac-12 is down to two? Uh, that's part of it. I think they're just settling into that. There's no nobody knows what that other conference that Pac-2 is going to look like. Don't don't forget that we didn't settle on 12 for 24 until September. Do you remember that when Mark Keenum, mm -hmm. the president of Mississippi State, had intervened because of infighting in the league? And if you want to, I, it sounds old, but if you want to talk about lack of leadership, that's what it is. I mean, everybody's out. For their own, for what they can get, you see that from the right seat, from all these conferences, from the from the stakeholders and TV, um, and now the players are you know, more than empowered. We're go we're going to see collective bargaining 
So that has to be figured out. I'm sure I'm sure at some point their accountants or commissioners or presidents are sitting there, no matter what they get from ESPN or whoever ends up having these games, how much of this are we going to have to carve out to the players? Because I think that's going to be part of it. If, if, if the schools don't do it, uh, the playoff will, but they'll collectively bargain with the players in exchange for this. You will play in all these postseason games that another person tells over the weekend. Absolutely, there's going to be opt-outs in the playoffs. They've already written that too. Um, you know, and they're they're going to demand things. But you collectively bargain that participation. Then, for example, Bryce Young doesn't sit out because what? And I, I what's in it for Bryce Young? If you're his handlers, if you're his parents, and this is theoretical, obviously to play in four more football games when you can weigh a rookie salary and get to your second salary, which is where the big money is, versus a broken ankle. You know, because that's going to happen. There are going to be guys sitting out. Dennis, could you see a scenario where Brett Yormark, for the benefit of the Big 12, just kind of politically and, and where they sit right now, says, let's bring on the Pac-2, let's give them that home that they're looking for, that settles that, and now Kirk Schultz will give everybody his vote and we can all move forward. Do you see any part of the Big 12 where they'd be keen to do that? Or No. Okay. But, look, never say never but sure, right. in all this. But there's no value there. I mean, there's a reason why they've been cut out of the herd. Um, they don't bring value to another conference. They are, you know, they are more uh, a Mountain West-type school. Um, there's a reason why they weren't the only two brought along to the Big 12 or Big 10. You can see the markets they play in. There's no brand value recognition to speak of. All that being said is I think they're owed something. I mean, and that's what they're holding out for. You, know, you owe us something for, for being eliminated from the herd. We've done nothing wrong except, you know, compete at a high level, pay our bills. You know, look where Oregon State had come from in football to win 10 games last year, uh, or in 2022, I believe, um, in, in Washington State. So I, I think they deserve something, but I, I don't know, you know, short of this vote that they're holding over everybody's heads to try to get more money, to get as close to, listen, to get as close to that $33 million, which I think is their distribution in the final year of the Pac-12 this year, to get as close to that standard of living as possible, because... If not, then they're talking about huge budget cuts and not even mentioning what all these schools are going to have to participate in if there's one of these negative judgments and one of these monster antitrust leagues. And as I wrote, oh gosh, about 10 days ago, now we can see the finish line. Mm -hmm. The House lawsuit is going to be heard next January. Uh, we've got Dartmouth players that are going to be unionizing. There may be other schools doing that. Um, there's about five major lawsuits, all of them that exposes the NCAA and whatever the power five is to judgment. Dennis, do you think that all of us in the college football media, like maybe two more years we could sit down for a bar exam and some of us might pass it? <laughs> you know, I, no, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but I would, I've, I've thought about that. Like if I was speaking to a class, a college class that wanted to get into sports writing, I would say absolutely take law classes, um, uh, get get a, a business minor, because to cover all this stuff, you just have to re-educate yourself. I, when all this stuff started to bubble up years ago, I didn't have the knowledge. I had to call people and, and read and get used to it. But, yeah, I, I would definitely have a 
at least at least in the term. Um, you're absolutely right. You you look at everything that's happened in the last Dennis Dodd CBS Sports with us the, the last three or four years from the transfer portal to the NIL to the extra year where we now see a player at Miami in his what ninth year whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. I saw the Michigan quarterback getting a seventh year. Uh, the college football playoff, all of this that seemed like it f- tried to fit in one barrel at one time, is this just like the implosion uh, of what so much at one time was trying to be done? Yeah, I think eventually it's going to happen because the liability to something you first have to answer or address if you're going to have a breakaway. The NCAA, not many people know this, the NCAA spends $65 million a year on FBS football in a sport where they don't sponsor a championship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a CFP is an LLC. Uh, I, I've already written a story that on average, $10 million out of that $65 million is uh, paying off legal liability in some of these cases, uh, head trauma, what have you. Uh, and so the NCAA foots that bill. If if those two leagues are going to break away, there is some sort of breakaway. Somebody has to hold on to that liability. That's why I think it stays together. I don't think Greg Sankey in his heart of hearts wants to do it. He might be forced to, to have to do it. Um, but somebody's going to have to take that on unless and until we collectively bargain. That's why people go crazy over that. It doesn't even have to be money. You know, it's, you give us, uh, you give us two years, you know, which a lot of coaches would kill for right now. Stay on campus for two years. We will provide you, uh, with, I don't know, let's just say lifetime medical. Um, you don't have to pay for a knee replacement when you're 50. In exchange for that, you have to say you're not going to, you're not going to sue us for that stuff as a body. And that's what we're seeing this in the, in the, the very small beginnings at Dartmouth. If they get that thing done, they're going to be able to negotiate uh, practice times, uh, conditions when they travel, when they leave, how much they're going to be paid. And that's why all this is coming. I think I think within a year we're going to have some resolution on what I'm talking about, the collective bargaining. It's a, it's a carousel, both college, the players, now the coaches. Baylor lost an offensive line coach today. Um, Arizona has a new AD. Have you heard much about Desiree Reed, Francois at Missouri? Yeah, know her well. Uh, definitely a step down. She's leaving a an SEC job for a Big 12 job at Arizona where they're absolutely upside down financially, uh, maybe as much as nine figures uh, because of, I don't know, mismanagement of money on both the uh, university and athletic side. Uh, they were hit by COVID and whatnot. Uh, she has her, her law degree from Arizona, but I would dare say she's probably taking a pay cut. So something went sideways at Missouri. She's very well respected, one of only four or five women in, uh, in major college athletics who's an AD. But it's not, you know, it's not her going to Ohio State. It's going to Arizona, which just transitioned from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. And, I, and in a lot of people's eyes, that's not a step up. Dennis, great stuff as always. It'll be an interesting week. Tomorrow, the presidents. Wednesday, the commissioners. And who knows if anything is about to get done. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, a great follow as well. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.